0: If you'll turn to your Bibles, please, to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, uh, chapter 11. We have been uh, learning together about God's Word, about what it is and what it means for us. What do we know about it from Scripture? Do we take for granted sometimes that, that we have this book and... We refer to it on Sundays, and we uh, behave as if it is authoritative and meaningful to us. But how often are we saying what's true about God's Word? When we go out into the world, uh, where does your confidence lie that these are the words of God? And that this is the Word of God, collectively. That is God's message and truth. For mankind. When we send our kids out from our households uh, into college or into marriage or into the workplace, <clears throat> what confidence have we left with them that God's Word is the foundation and the basis for their life, that it is uh, a well-placed risk uh, to lean your, the weight of your life upon God's Word. And we're going to look at that together again today. Last uh, time we Uh, preached about this. We were in 2 Timothy. Do you remember that all Scripture is what? God-breathed. We talked about what that means, that these are the words of God. All Scripture being God-breathed is authoritative, the Bible tells us. Uh, and, And it is effective to equip the saints for what we need. And so God's Word is an equipping Word, and it comes from the very breath of God. This is not some loosely inspired thing men of old did not get some impression from God and and as best they could try to capture it no God gave these words and yes he did use men as instruments to pin these for us but these are the words of God and today we're going to look to the letter to the Hebrews and another message uh, about the word of God it's a living word we're going to look at today Mike Stone says this, the Bible is the only book that while you're reading it is reading you in return. It is a living word. The Bible makes that clear here. We're going to look together at what that means for us. Let's read together in Hebrews chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, these words will be on the screen. And if you do not have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's word. And we have those on the table in the back. You take that if you need it, at no cost to you. It's a very nice, uh, credible version of Scripture with helps uh, that I think will bless your life. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 4. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The writer of Hebrews here has been educating them about the Sabbath rest that comes to us through Christ, the rest that God has given to us, and about those uh, who are in peril of having received the knowledge of the truth, of, of having understood it, comprehended it, even tasted of the goodness of God, but in the end have fallen away from it without embracing it into their lives. And he says, let us, Hebrew, to to this Hebrew church, these Hebrew people, let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. That ought to be strange to us. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged or double-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed. Your translation may say, all are open and laid bare. It's powerful. I mean, that, that, that frightens me a little bit. All are naked and exposed and open and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Verse 14, Since therefore we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Don't fall away. Make it true in your life. Reveal the reality of who God has made you. Hold tight to that confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive, what, mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How is it that God's word is a living word? We're going to look at this together. The first way is this. God's word changes us. God's word has the effect of altering or of moving, of changing us in a way that no other document can. In a way that, that, that chemical ink on a flat piece of pulp, uh, a flat piece of paper, typically does not move and stir the soul of human beings. God's word it's qualitatively different than that. It is unique and singular in that it is living. It is active. It moves those <coughs> who encounter it. The word living here it simply means full of life or vigor. Here's the, here's the word. Uh, it, it comes from the word zoe, atzo in this case. Uh, it just means it is alive. We have a little girl who recently we talked about taking a trip together. <coughs> And uh, there was some hesitation on her part to wanting to go on the trip. We said, well, we're just going to go together. It's just going to be for a few days. And I said, what's the the, uh, hesitation? And we got the response back, Dad, I have a what? A life here. I've got friends. I've got things to do and places to be. Dad, I've got a life. What's what's the implication there? That I don't, right? Yeah. I've got a life here. What does it mean to be alive? It it means you've got a purpose. and It means you've got movement. You're animated. You're going. You're directed. Uh, The things you do have an impact and an effect. They're important. And so when the Bible says, listen, uh, the Word of God is alive... That's what it means. It means it has motion and vigor and purpose and movement. When we encounter it, we're not the same because it stirs within us. It changes and it moves us. It is a living word, but also it is an active word. The word active here, I'm not going to pronounce it wrong, I'm sure, but in the original Greek, it is energes, E-N-E-R-G-E-S. What does that remind you of? Our word energy, right? Our word for power. It means with effect, with action, it accomplishes, it produces. When we encounter the Word of God by its very own testimony, it has life. It has an intention toward you and me. God has given it a a, a mind, if you will, that when we encounter it, it has a purpose for entering into your heart and stirring about with its life. It has energy, it has power it accomplishes something in you. This is not just a rote document. This is something here that changes us that is, in fact, alive. In our old neighborhood, we had neighbors <coughs> across the way that had an outdoor pool, and uh, they went on vacation one week, and so we snuck over every day. And I'm no, just kidding. We did not sneak. They had invited us. They said, you come and you can swim in our pool, and we did, we did go swim in that, um, and so we swam in their outdoor pool, and they asked us, would you just look after it and scoop out the leaves or whatever we did? And one day we went over there, and <clears throat> there was a squirrel trapped by its tail in the little filter zone, you know, where the water sucks in, and the squirrel was just there lifeless, pitiful. I mean, it had been there for who knows how long, and there it was dead in the water, just back and just drifting back and forth as the water went in and out. And I thought, we got to get that squirrel. I said, Erica, go get that squirrel. Uh, Just kidding. I went to get the squirrel. I had the little net there, and there I was, you know, up up here in the water, and went over there near it and got the little scooper and started scooping it out. Couldn't quite get it. Its tail was pinched underneath the the overhang of the pool, if you know what I mean. And so I had to draw even closer to the squirrel. I had to lift up the lip of that, and you put it in the net. And when I did, it sprung to life. (laughs) And guess what else? I sprung to life. I jumped into Erica's arms and I said, let's go, you know. (laughs) But uh, it surprised me, didn't it? You know, when something is dead, we're master over it. I mean, it just, wherever the water goes, it goes. And if I want to be Lord over that squirrel, it's going to bend to my, I'm going to go and I'm going to, if if it's dead, it's mine to do with as I please. I just do whatever. Uh, When it came to life, guess what? it was Lord over me, right? All of a sudden, I wasn't, it it was my master. The Word of God, as we approach it, it is, it would be easy for you and me, it would be easy for this lost world to come to this and say, what is, this Word, just information, let me just get it up in here, let me just drill it in, but the Word of God is not here to be mastered. It is not here to to be lorded over. It is not here to be dragged along by wherever you want it to go. The word of God is alive. The word of God is active and it has a purpose and an intention for your heart. Through his word, God even wields authority. He wields authority and the ability to confront and to change our lives. Unlike any other document in all of history, here's what God's Word does. God's Word has life and power to connect us to God, to show us our sin, to drive us to repent, to call us to follow Him, to strengthen us for the journey. You ever need strength that you just don't have? Go to God's Word. It has the ability uh, to do that, to equip us for our mission, to comfort us in our sorrow. Do you think that following God... Does not include sorrow? Do you think there are not times that following Jesus that you just don't feel empty-handed and, and helpless? We need the power of God's Word. And when an unbelieving world looks into this Word, it has the power to save. Listen, God's Word changes us. What are you doing with God's Word? God's Word reveals us, secondly. It reveals who we are. This part is interesting because uh, it tells us what God's Word is able to do. And it's able to do something impossible here. The Bible uses the illustration of a sword, but not just any sword, a double-edged sword. That means on the top of the sword, it's very sharp. And on the bottom of the sword, it's very sharp. And this, this, this uh, sword is not just a saber for slicing. It is a dagger for digging. And the Word of God has the ability to pierce through the games that we might play, the things that we might hide from other people and believe we could hide from God. It is no games when it comes to God's Word. And the sharpness here is not just a physical sharpness. It means that God's Word is perceptive. It knows the truth about you. And it reveals the truth about you. I was in Ingalls just the other day. My favorite store, and I had to go to the pharmacy to get some Sudafed, which they keep hoarded up back there, as you know now. And uh, I I was coming down the aisle, and the pharmacy's over here. And another couple was coming down the aisle with their buggy. And if we had stayed in that course, we would have collided. And I thought, well, I'm going to get out of their way because the pharmacy's just right here. I won't be any obstacle to them. And so I shuffled with my feet really fast and, you know, and, and run up to the pharmacy Got out of the way, so by the time they reached me, they could just go right on by. I was trying to be polite, right? So I got to the pharmacy window. I turned around, and they were waiting in line behind me to the pharmacy. What do you think they thought about my feet shuffling? <laughs> they probably thought, what a jerk, you know? I mean, we would have let him go first yeah, if he wanted to, but it looked like I was trying to get in, in front of them, right? Uh, I was humiliated, and in fact... Uh, heard the guy behind me say something like, I'm usually a patient person, and it trailed off from there. I thought, oh, he's talking about me, you know. And so uh, I wish at that moment that he could have known my intentions, right? Even if I told him, I don't know if he would have believed it, but I, I wish he could have known, oh, I was trying to be polite. It just didn't work out. God knows our intentions. The Bible, God's Word is able to pierce to the division of what? Really impossible things to separate. Uh, let's look at this, the division of soul and spirit. Where's that divide? Anybody, can you tell me, can you tell me where it is that that peels apart, the soul and the spirit, so to speak, to the division of joints and marrow? Anybody seen a, a body working with just a joint but no marrow or just marrow and no joint? No, well, but the Bible is able to go in and these two things that are essential together to peel them apart, to look inside. And the thrust of this is to r- remind us, to show us, that if it's able to do that, it's able to divide the thoughts, <clears throat> the intentions of our heart. You know, sometimes we can even delude ourselves as to our thoughts and intentions. Many times we set out to fool the world, but we know the truth inside. But listen, as, as a f- as fallen flesh, we can even delude ourselves. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can, understand, who can know it? You can't. I can't. But the Bible, the Word of God, can reveal the thoughts and intentions of our heart. God's Word reveals our true selves. God's Word leaves no question as to the condition and direction of our hearts. Does that frighten you today? Does that comfort you today? It's the truth about God's Word. He finds the deepest and purest place of who we really are. Do you want to know what the real fruit of your spiritual life is? I mean, like these people who were were hearing a message of, be careful not to fall away. Be careful that you've drawn near, but but you haven't been transformed. Do you want to know what the, the real fruit of your life is? Look to God's Word. It's like a mirror that reflects this back to us, not only as a literary device, but as a powerful and living tool of God to come into our lives and to show us what is real. You get into God's Word, and you better bet the Word of God will reveal it. But thirdly, God's Word warns us. There's a warning here in verse 13 that you really don't want to miss. A powerful warning. Something you want to keep in your pocket about God. This is both an encouragement and a warning. No creature, who does that include? All of us. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed or open and laid bare. Like a fish, you, you just you split it open and just fillet it out, right? It, we're just before the eyes of God, it's all out there on the table. We're naked and exposed to the eyes of him with whom we have to do or with whom to whom we must give an account. Knowing this information that the word of God reveals us, the word of God wants us to know who else knows. And who else knows is God himself. We don't like to be naked and exposed, do we? We have dreams about it, about being naked, un- unclothed at the workplace or at our school. We go to the, do- I hate going to the doctor, y'all. You would think in 2022, whatever this is, some scan could figure this out. You go to the airport, raise up your hands. They know what you had for breakfast that morning. But at the doctor, you still got to get naked, Right? That's how we say it in Georgia. We hate being naked. I hate, I hate going to the doctor for that reason. If, you, if you're clothed, guess what? You can cover up how, how we. If you got little spaghetti arms, if you're weak and you wish you were stronger, you can cover it up with a nice shirt, right? If you got weird feet like I do, you put on some nice shoes and you're good to go. I have weird toes. Most of them are like fingers, long monkey toes but not my pinky toe. It's like a shriveled little nub. It's discolored. It won't move on its own. It stinks. Just kidding. It doesn't stink. But it's kind of turned sideways, almost like it's being phased out, right? You know, it's like... I don't like people to see my toes. I can cover them right up. But when we're naked, it's all on display, right? Every ugly feature, every sad turn that life is gravity have taken. I mean it's just it's all there. We hate it. But before the eyes of God, spiritually speaking, our hearts. You're not hiding it. You're not covering it up with a smile. Uh, You're not covering up with good works uh, for the for the sake of looking good. God sees right in his word is able to Double-edged, pierce right in, open it up, it's revealed. And his piercing eyes gaze into your life. You're not hiding, you're not fooling, you're not bamboozling God. No, never. He sees it all. This is a stern warning from Scripture. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 7, there's a, there's a reflection of this there. Where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who knows the words of holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Not everyone who can sing the hymn, victory in Jesus. Not everyone who knows John three sixteen. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I, this is Jesus speaking, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. God is our righteous and eternal judge. And make sure he sees perfectly every hidden part of our being for exactly what it is. What he sees there uncovers the reality of who we really are. And he is not going to neglect to call us to answer for it. We're warned here. The, Bible, the, the attitude of the Bible here is a word of caution, is a word of warning. God warns us. God's word warns us. But lastly, God's word questions us. This is a strange one, but God's Word does. It questions us. Listen to this. We're faced with the reality here of being fully naked and exposed, of being pierced through to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's all out there. Not only are we faced with that reality, we're faced with the reality that having been exposed, that the eyes of God have seen it all, the holy and perfect eyes of a judge, have seen it all. And the Bible turns in verse 14 to this. Knowing all this, we need to know the options. We can either face God's throne of judgment, as we just saw in verse 13, or we can draw near to God's throne of mercy. You see, God has given us a high priest. God has sent His only Son, the Lord Jesus. He has shed his blood on a cruel cross for our salvation. And now he who has raised from the dead, I wish I knew how the song put it earlier, but he has conquered over the grave, he has overcome the grave, is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. That's what a high priest does. He's standing before God, and when the eyes of God come and that gaze pierces to the deepest parts of our soul, those of us who are transformed and covered in the blood of Jesus, an advocate, a high priest, stands there and says, my sacrifice is enough. My sacrifice is enough. Lord, I was sin. God, I was sin on that cross so they could be called righteous. We have this high priest Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. What does this mean? This means, if you're asking yourself the question, I have, I've, I've been weak, I've stumbled, Am, is it hopeless? Am I rejected? The Bible's telling us here, no. There is the, the very high priest that we have is one who is tempted in every respect as we are. He can sympathize with our weakness, but we need to draw near to the cross, right? We need to draw near to the throne of grace in order to receive mercy, to help in time of need. You see, we can't escape God. You're either going to encounter the throne of God as a verse 13 God my eyes have seen it. My eyes have seen it. Here you are. God is judge, or you're going to encounter his throne as a verse 16, God, having a high priest who is advocating for you. I was in our woods the other day, <clears throat> sitting in my chair, and a little spider drew near. It wasn't one of these choro spiders those giant ones, but it was big enough, if you know what I mean. Very spiderly. I mean, you could see all the, you know, legs, and here it came. And it was on its way. And I jerked away, like you would. It got too close, it was coming, jerked away. But what I did not know is apparently my arm had been wound around a thread of its web. And so when I jerked away, instead of getting away... I yanked the spider onto myself like a rubber band, like a fling, it flung on me. I didn't know where it was. And let me tell you, those woods ignited with sound uh, from me. I mean, and let me tell you, the truth is, I still don't know where it is. I mean, you know how that happens. You get something on you, you can't find it, you don't know where it is, and you're walking around, every, every feeling you just know is that spider if, something, if I start twitching up here, you'll know what it is. It's a, there's no, esca- it, it's no escaping it, right? I, I, I couldn't get away from it. There there is no escaping. We are destined, we are headed toward the throne room of God our judge. And for those of us who are in Christ, those of us whose hearts have been transformed, By the shed blood of Jesus, standing beside us is an advocate. The very Lord Jesus himself calling out to God for our salvation. Will you encounter God as the judge to whom we must give an account? Or will you encounter him through the grace and the mercy of the great high priest? The warning is a serious one. In Hebrews chapter 10, just a, a few of chapters later, listen to this carefully. We don't hear this a lot. Another warning, a, a, a more powerful warning. For if we go on deliberately sinning, after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire. That will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And then he breaks that quotation, and the teaching is this. It is a fearful, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But the good news is you don't have to fall into the hands of the living God. He has brought us before the cross of Jesus Christ so that instead of falling into his hands, we might fall before his throne. We might fall at the foot of the cross. We might say yes to what Christ has done on our behalf. Does it mean we're not ever going to be weak No, but in times of weakness, because Jesus is a sympathizer, we can draw near to the throne of grace. How? With confidence, with confidence, with sureness. And having drawn there, what can we find to help us in time of need, in time of sinful stumbling, in time of repentance, in time of confession, we can find mercy, mercy. To help in time of need all of this because god has given us what his word this is the power the life of god's word <clears throat> you don't have to be a bible scholar to understand it it speaks to you in acts chapter 3 the bible simply says this repent therefore and turn back that you your sins may be blotted out How do I get to the Lord Jesus? How do I get to this salvation? You repent of your sins and believe in him. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. It's that simple. You don't have to know this through and through. You don't even have to speak Greek. You don't have to. God has given you a word here. And the living word that God has sent, he has sent to be a transforming word. And so this morning, I want you to know that there's not a one of us in here Not a one of us in this room today that does not need a steady diet. A steady diet of God's Word. And that doesn't mean just every Sunday. Steady, personal diet of God's Word. Knowing the reality of what this is. What sense does it make to set it aside? Let God's Word transform your life. Are you in need of salvation today, come to God's Word. You want to do that this morning? We'll stand with you. We'll walk you through it. We'll set you, with the Lord's help, on a right path. We'll go with you. If you're already saved and know the Lord Jesus, how long has it been since the Word of God has been a part of your day, of your week, and is transforming you? How long has it been since you saw yourself in the mirror here and thought, thank you, God. Thank you, God, I've got work to do. Thank you, Lord. Please refine me. Make me more like Jesus. When's the last time you looked into his word and said, Oh, I can't believe I said that last week. Now that I'm communing with you, God, through your spirit, through your word, I just can't believe I said that. I can't believe I acted that way toward that guy. It reveals, it exposes, and it transforms. It's time for us to get into God's word. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd like to offer you a time of response and as you know there's no magic to that <clears throat> this is not some preconceived formula that you have to follow if you need to move toward the Lord today we'll be down here at the front of the room and I'd love to pray with you love to counsel with you give you advice if you simply have a question and want to go back and sit back down that's okay we're here for you maybe you need to come for salvation today and Once and for all, trust your life to Jesus. Go to those waters of baptism and make sure that you know and everybody knows that He is your own, that you're covered in the blood of the Lamb, that you're destined for heaven, that you have a relationship with a new Father, that He loves you, that He's going to see you through. We'll be here to help you with that. Maybe you'd like a private time to confess sin or to come and just repent and plead with God to bring you back into His Word. You can do that right where you're at in the chair. You can come down here and pray privately. I'll leave you alone if you like. It's up to you. You can come today for church membership or any other thing that I have not mentioned. It's between you and the Lord. I cannot make it happen. But when God speaks, remember, this is the God. This is Jesus we're dealing with. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God and thank you for trusting it to us. I pray that it would have made a difference today. Holy Spirit, that you will plant these things in our lives, and our hearts. Go with us. Bring them to remembrance. Guide us into all truth, we pray. Even when we're not here, even during our week, Father, help us to be more like you. Help us to treasure your word and help us to savor its power, its life, its action toward us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. And as we do, I invite you to respond.